Good evening, church, and welcome to our Wednesday night online service. I am so glad that you are here tonight. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, watching by way of video and device uh, is definitely starting to get old for me, and uh, I'm sure it is for you as well, but, but you're here. And I commend you for that, and uh, thank you for making church, the preaching of God's Word, uh, a priority, and I can't wait until we can fellowship uh, back together. I know the staff uh, earlier this week uh, had a meeting talking about uh, reopening, and uh, we are reading and studying and praying and uh, asking God for wisdom on the correct timing. Uh, but things are in the works, and uh, we look forward to making a few announcements uh, about that uh, this Sunday and in weeks to come. I do believe uh, there is hope. I do believe uh, that it'll be sooner rather than later. And uh, let's continue to pray for our national and local leaders, and, and especially our local leaders. I pray uh, that right now you take time to pray for our governor um, that you would give him wisdom, that, that God would give him wisdom, um, and that he would see the church uh, as essential. And uh, just there, there's just there's so many things uh, that complicate all of this. And God has a plan. Uh, God has a way. Uh, God has a will, and God's going to accomplish that. And we are just here to find out what it is. And so would you, would you pray with me for our governor uh, and then for the church uh, situation and everything just going on uh, around here, that God would be glorified in all of this, and uh, that, on, that honestly our church um, would come out of this stronger uh, than when we went in. And uh, for those of you who've been praying and, and, and wondering and worrying uh, about the church, we are doing fabulous here. Uh, outside of not seeing you and the fellowship uh, and the camaraderie and the service, uh, outside of that, um, I, I've heard so many great things from church members and where and where they're at. Uh, I know somebody recently asked me about church finances, and uh, we have had two incredible months uh, financially here at the church. And thank you. I, I know that that all has to do with your faithfulness. Uh, and you allowing God to use you. God is faithful, and if we'll be willing uh, to let him use us, it's amazing what takes place, and honestly, it's amazing what's taken place uh, here in the last two months. Uh, so can't wait to get back with you, uh, but we're going to jump into our Bible study tonight. We're in James chapter 2. Yes, we finished chapter 1 last week, and uh, we looked at some some awesome things uh, these past couple weeks there in James chapter number one. We've talked about uh, getting uh, or triumphing over uh, our trials. We've uh, talked about triumphing over temptation. We've talked about uh, being a hearer of God's word and, and what that means. We've talked about being a doer of God's word and uh, how important that is. We've looked at pure religion and uh, it has been uh, I, I believe now eight or nine weeks through chapter one, but we now come into chapter two. We, we turn the chapter and uh, looking forward to jumping into this passage here tonight. Let it, let's read 
James 2, verses 1 through 9, and then we'll pray, and then we'll jump into our message. I Once again, I'm so glad you are here. Uh, thank you for joining us this evening. James chapter number 2, we have our Bibles there. Verse number 1, my brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respective persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Verse number five, hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called? Verse number eight, if ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respective persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for another Wednesday that we can pause, another Wednesday evening that we can come uh, to your word and to come to you in prayer and God, I do ask that you'd speak to our hearts this evening in a very special way. I pray your Holy Spirit would have full control of my mind and my tongue. Help me to say exactly, Father, what you want said, nothing more and nothing less. I pray your Holy Spirit would also have control uh, with us this evening in, in our hearts and our minds. Would we put away the distractions? Uh, may, you, may you help us as uh, we look at a screen and we hear your word. May your Holy Spirit dive into our hearts uh, and convict us and help us and guide us and encourage us and strengthen us. There are so many things we as believers need today, and you have it. And so we come to you tonight knowing you're a God that hears us, a God that answers us, a God that loves us, a God that cares about us, a God that has a will for us. And so, Father, I pray tonight you would speak to us in a very special way, and we'll be sure to thank you and praise you for it. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we ask these things. Amen. Uh, if we were to place a theme on chapter number two, now, the theme of the book we've said, at least the context in which we're studying, is spiritual maturity. If we were to place a theme on chapter number two, we might call it this, practicing the truth. Practicing the truth. Immature people talk about their beliefs. Mature people talk and live their beliefs. Every person, when cornered, has a, a statement of faith or beliefs about God or their religion. But what is said by the mouth 
is far less important than what is lived in action. Let me say it again. What is said by the mouth is far less important than what is lived, what is seen in action. Growing up, uh, you heard it uh, just as I did. Your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. In all purposes, that is what the Holy Spirit is teaching you and I as James jumps into chapter number two here in his epistle to the Jewish Christians. Here in these first nine verses, James desires to help Christians by by giving them, by showing them a simple test. Two people, as we read, are sent into the assembly, the congregation, the church. Uh, A rich man in goodly apparel and a poor man with uh, rags and vile raiment. And how the congregation acts and reacts to these two individuals, James says, indicates what they believe about God or how they are practicing their Christian faith. Let me say this tonight. The way we behave toward people indicates what we believe about God. The way we behave toward people, the way we treat others, goes much to prove and to show what we personally believe about God. If I could steal a passage from John in in 1 John chapter number 4, verse number 20 and 21, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment, James writes, have we from him, from Jesus Christ, that he who love God loveth his brother also. We, we can't say we love God and then hate those around us. The way we practice, the way we treat others shows our love and our belief for God. James here, twice in this passage, uses this phrase, respect of persons. I believe the Holy Spirit would use that phrase for many things today. Uh, Favoritism, partiality, prejudice, including racism, would, would most certainly be a few of those things that would come to mind. The Holy Spirit addresses the practices of our faith here in the first nine verses by way of showing us Uh, the way we treat others in our assembly or in church. Now, unfortunately, every age of history and culture has its partiality, has its favoritism, its, its prejudices. As a matter of fact, every age will have its prejudices because every age will have 
this three-letter word called sin. And that's exactly what partiality, that's exactly what respect of persons is, most plainly, sin. One could explain their prejudice or favoritism any way they would want to. But when you hold it to Scripture, when you view it in the light of God's Word, it is nothing but sin. Many would say today that there is great partiality. I believe there's uh, still racism, there's still prejudice uh, that exists in our world and in our culture and even in our churches today, and it's it's just what I called it. It's sin. People try to explain it. I've heard them say, um, I, I'm just that way because my parents and grandparents were that way. If that's the case, stop it. <clears throat> you have no reason to sin because your parents sinned and because your grandparents sinned in this particular matter. Uh, if your dad was an alcoholic, that does not give you license to be an alcoholic. And if your dad and your grandparents were, were racist, that gives you no license to be a racist. If they treated people with prejudice, that gives you no right to treat people with prejudice. I'm so glad my father, uh, and I distinctly remember uh, this. It was a great teaching uh, moment. We were, we were on a trip. I still remember my father teaching me about this. We were on a trip and uh, we had stopped at a gas station. And there outside the gas station uh, was a man who uh, was disheveled in clothing, disheveled uh, in appearance by all accounts. Uh, we might look at this person and, and say that they were probably homeless. They were uh, down and out. They were in difficult, uh, they were in a difficult time, a difficult situation. And, and I believe my sister and I very wrongfully in the back seat. Um, just called on it, just just snickered about it, uh, kind of pointed, and we made a few statements between each other. And my dad used that moment as a teaching tool in my life. My dad came unglued. My dad very quickly, very appropriately put us in our place. And he used that moment to teach us that God created everybody equally and that it was not our place to show uh, prejudice, that it was not our place to uh, show racism, it was not our place to show partiality or favoritism in any matter, that the Frost family would not be named in that sin. So just because a parent or grandparent exercised prejudice does not give you license uh, for prejudice. Uh, I've heard say, um, I've been on the other end of respect of persons. People have treated uh, me based on my, and they filled in the blank. I, I've been treated with intolerances and prejudices, and, and therefore I have a hard time not having my own intolerances and prejudices. Let me say this evening, I, I'm so sorry that you have been sinned against. It doesn't make uh, right what those other people uh, have done to you or have said about you or the way that you have been treated or the things that in your life you have experienced. Uh, I, I feel sorry for you and I, and I hate that for you, but you exercising prejudice does not 
uh, erase what that person did. You exercising prejudice or favoritism or respect of persons uh, does not make it right because that's the way you were treated. It's got to stop someplace. It's got to stop someplace. Others uh, have said, well, uh, Pastor Frost, it's out there in the world. People treat people different based on who they are and and what they wear and what they look like and what position they hold. And uh, favoritism, isn't it just normal? Isn't respect of persons just a normal part of society? Yes, unfortunately. In the world, it does seem to be a normal part of society, but that does not make it right. It is still a sin. It doesn't matter what form it takes. Respect of persons, partiality, prejudice, racism, favoritism. It doesn't matter what form it takes, it's still a sin. Here in this passage, James gives us an illustration of this respect of persons, of this prejudice, by comparing a rich man and a poor man and how they're treated in the assembly. But whether it's rich or poor, or whether it's uh, old or young, or whether it's uh, black and white, or whether it's single or married, or, or whether you, you name all the different forms that people could unrightly uh, judge and unrighteously categorize, no matter what form it takes, it is still sin. Look there with me at verse number nine. It could not be any clearer for you and I as believers. But if ye have respect of persons, or respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. We would do well to remember that the context in which James is writing is from a very partial age, filled with prejudice and hatred. There was prejudice based on the class of a person. There was a prejudice based on the nationality of a person. There was a prejudice based on ethnicity and nationality and religious background. There, there was even prejudice based on gender found here in this society. In James' world, people were routinely and permanently categorized because they were Jew or Gentile, slave or free, rich or poor, Greek or barbarian or whatever. There's so many different things that we find here in scripture of people being categorized in. And the Holy Spirit uses James to put his finger right on the subject and give us an illustration of respect of persons. There are three thoughts tonight that I wanna share with you and uh, three things this evening that we find here in this passage that I believe will be very helpful for us as believers, as Christians, as the church. All right, you ready? Number one, we have already established. So I'm not going to take more time than I've already taken on this. There's no room to argue this. Uh, there, there's no case that can be made in light of Scripture Respect of persons, partiality, prejudice is a sin. It's a sin in anyone's life. Verse number nine, but if ye have respect of persons, ye 
commit sin. It's not up for debate. There's no cause to question. The Holy Spirit, the Word of God has spoken. Now, second of all, this evening, I want you to look there with me at verse number one. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. I'd like to say this second of all tonight, there is no place in the Christian faith for respect of persons. Number one, we've already established, according to Scripture, that partiality, that respect of persons, that prejudice is a sin. Second of all, there is no place in the Christian life, in your life or my life, for respect of persons. It might be found in the world, but the one place it should never be found is in the church, is in the Christian, is in the life of the believer. Now, why? Why is there no place for prejudice in Christianity? And I understand we could say, well, well, pastor, it's a sin, and therefore sin shouldn't be present in our lives. And, and yes, that's a very valid argument, but I want to look at more than that tonight. I want to look at why. Uh, why is there no place for prejudice, for partiality, for respective persons in the church or in the life of the believer? Okay, so here we go. Four things. Uh, tonight uh, that we look at of why. First of all, it is not in the character of God. It is not in God's character. Peter had to learn this lesson. It took a while for the early church to get over this Jew and Gentile problem. It took Peter having God give him a dream and using a situation, using a circumstance with Cornelius to imprint upon Peter, to stamp on Peter that Peter was wrong and the early church was wrong about their thoughts about the Gentile world and their thoughts about God not just loving the Jews, but God loving everybody. And so there, there in Acts chapter 10, um, I want to read Peter's conclusion. Okay, what, what Peter concluded, there in verse number 34, the Holy Spirit and, and the Lord working in Peter's life, Peter says this, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Peter's conclusion, having learned the lesson that the Lord was trying to teach him, is this Of a truth I perceive, there is no respecter of persons with God. God is not a respecter of persons, it's not in the character of God. Uh, even in the Old Testament, Jehoshaphat, he's the king of Judah. And he's instructing the judges of the land. He's teaching the judges a few things. And Jehoshaphat, 
brings out this same truth, brings out this same thought in 2 Chronicles chapter 19, verse number six, and said to the judges, take heed what ye do, for ye judge not for man, but for God, who is with you in the judgment. He says, I want you to take heed because as you stand and judge, I want to remind you that you're not standing there uh, to judge uh, just for men. You're, you're standing there to judge. We need you to have the mind of God. Wouldn't it be wonderful today if, if the judges across our land, the leaders across our land had the mind of God uh, in, their, in their heart, had the mind of God in their thoughts as they were making judgments. But he goes on to say there in verse number seven, Wherefore now let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take heed and do it. For there is no iniquity, there, there is no sin with the Lord or God, nor respect of persons, nor taking of gifts. As, Je as Jehoshaphat is explaining things to the judges, he says, I pray that you have the fear of the Lord, the fear of God on your life, because there's a few things we know about God. God is not a respecter of persons. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. There was no partiality. There was no prejudice. There was no respect of persons with God. Why is there no place for prejudice for respect of persons in Christianity? It is not in the character of God. Second of all, it's not in the character of Christ. Who is our great example? Who are we to fashion ourselves after? Uh, who are we to be like as Christians? We are little Christ. We're to be like Jesus Christ, and it was not in the character of Christ. Matthew chapter 9, verse number 9. Uh, and as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, we know this from uh, other passages, uh, other gospels, that this was Matthew's house. Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Verse number 11. And when the Pharisees, remember those religious leaders, saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. It, it drove the religious leaders nuts that Jesus would sit down to eat with those that society would call sinners, that those society would call outcasts, that Christ would call uh, those that society would deem uh, as unrighteous before God. But Jesus was different. And Jesus was teaching us as believers that there's no respecter of persons with God and there's no respecter of persons with Christ. Those watching Christ 
had some things that they learned from him. His character was evident. As people spend time around you, your character is evident. Um, I believe, yes, Christ's character was evident to his disciples and followers, but to me, it's awesome that even the people that hated Christ, even the, the people that were unbelievers around him, noticed some things about Christ. They noticed his character. Isn't it a wonderful thought? And shouldn't it be a wonderful truth in our life that the world around us, the people around us notice our character? They notice there's some things different. And there in Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 through 17, uh, the Pharisees give us a little bit more insight about the character of Christ. Verse number 15, then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. Listen, neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. That's incredible. The Pharisees, the people who hated Christ and hated what he stood for, they recognized that Jesus was no respecter of persons, that he treated everybody alike, that he didn't care for one person more than he cared for somebody else, that he did not regard the person of man. We say again, why should we not be respecter of persons? Because not found in the character of Christ. As a matter of fact, uh, by far not the only, but most certainly one of the things that Christ's sacrifice did for this world was to break down uh, those prejudices, was to break down those partialities, was to break down those respecter of persons. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22, and I know it's a long passage, but I, think, I believe it's helpful for us to hear uh, what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us in this thought tonight. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that are that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. Verse number 13, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Because most of us watching tonight are Gentiles. We were without hope. We were without help. We were lost. But Jesus Christ reconciled us. Jesus Christ made us nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished his flesh, the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off and to them that were nigh. For through him, we have both access by one spirit unto the father. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, 
in whom all the body, building, fitly framed together, groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Verse number 19, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Christ sacrificed, Christ a death on the cross, Christ's blood shed for you and I. If we've placed our faith in that, we are brothers. We are uh, sisters in Christ. We are together in the household of God. Uh, there is no respecter of persons. There are no differences. We are all a part of God's family. It's not in the character of God. It's not in the character of Christ. Why is there no place for prejudice in Christianity, let me say, third of all, this evening it is not in the character of those who possess wisdom. It's not in the character of those who truly possess wisdom. James chapter number three, we'll look at this passage as we study the next chapter as well, but I believe it's so important for our study this evening. Who is a wise man and a dude with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. The wisdom descendeth not from above, or this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Verse number 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without, what does it say there? Without partiality and without hypocrisy. For the man who is truly wise with the wisdom of God, there's no partiality. There's no respecter of persons with him. Why should there be no respecter of persons uh, in the Christian's life? We said, number one, because it's not found in the character of God. Number two, it's not found in the character of Christ. Number three, it's not found in the character of the one who possesses wisdom. And lastly, number four, it is not in the character of the obedient Christian. It is not in the character of the obedient Christian. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus is questioned by a lawyer, a very uh, popular uh, passage. And in verse number 25, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, what is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, thou hast answered right. This do and thou shalt live. But he, that lawyer, being willing to justify himself, make himself look good, to free himself, said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? I'm supposed to love God, and I'm supposed to love my neighbor or love others, so then who is my neighbor? Jesus will then take time to give the parable of the good Samaritan. And in that parable of the good Samaritan, what does he show us? 
that the religious leaders and the Jew, the Jewish people, the scribe, they, they treated this uh, person wrong. But a Samaritan to the Jewish people who uh, would have been as a dog to them. Remember the partiality that we find uh, here uh, in, in, the early, in the early time, in this early time of uh, scripture, there was, there was prejudice. It was the Samaritan, the one that they were supposed to look down on who showed love, who showed mercy. And Jesus teaching us that everybody's our neighbor. Uh, anybody we come into contact with, we're to love, we're to show mercy to. Back in Luke chapter number six, Jesus is teaching his disciples, his followers, Christians, you and I, we're, we're followers of Christ. Verse number 32, for if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much gain. But love ye your enemies and do good. And lend hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and the evil. Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. You see, this evening, the obedient Christian loves his friends and loves his enemies. The obedient Christian does good to those he might consider his friends and those who he might consider his enemies and everybody in between. The obedient Christian is to exercise grace and mercy for, yes, his friends, but the obedient Christian is to exercise grace and mercy uh, to those who would be considered his enemies, to those who would be the world, for the follower of Christ, for the obedient follower of Christ. There is no place for prejudice. There is no place for the respect of persons. Therefore, James, talking to us about our practice of the truth, begins with this thought. My brethren, verse number one, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Now, there's more. I had a point number three, but I'm going to go ahead and stop there. We'll look at that third truth next week and Lord willing, add some things to it as well. But I want to close tonight with a few thoughts, at least with this thought. We said earlier, the way we behave toward people indicates what we really believe about God. The subject matter of chapter two is our practice of our faith. That real faith lives scripture, okay? With that being the context, with that being our thought tonight, I want you to stop and think. How are you living this truth tonight? How is this truth being practiced in your life? How is your spiritual maturity in this matter. We are immature Christians if we've not yet figured out that there is no respecter of persons with Christ. So let me ask you, how are you living this truth? A couple questions.
Is there traces of prejudice in your life? I got to ask myself another question. Is there places of favoritism that can be named in my actions? Am I guilty of respecting people, of treating people differently based on any number of things? And tonight, as, as we look at ourselves, if that's the case, the best thing that we can do tonight is to repent and to forsake it. If prejudice is found in our life, if favoritism, if respective persons is found in our life tonight, the very best thing that you and I can do is to go to God and say, God, I am sorry for not loving and treating people as you love and treat me. God, I am sorry for not caring for people as you have cared for the world and cared for me. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. If we're Christians tonight, there is no place for respective persons, for favoritism, for prejudice in our life. May we make it right with him tonight. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the privilege that we have as believers to come to your word. And what a needful truth for today. What a powerful truth for today. And God, I, there's so much more here in, in this particular passage that I pray next week we'll be able to, to dig in and dive into. Father, would you help us with this truth tonight? God, respective persons, partiality, you've made it clear in your word it's a sin. And if it's found in our life, may we repent tonight. May we forsake it tonight. May we make it right with you. And Father, as we go about our business in life, in our families, in our workplaces, at church, amongst the world, Father, I pray that in our lives that this sin would not be named, that we would recognize that you love everybody, that you show grace to everybody, that you show mercy to everybody who will call on you. And God, I pray that as the world looks at us, your church, that they would find that we don't have the faith of our Lord Jesus with respect of persons. May we catch this truth and may we live this truth for your glory. And we'll thank you and praise you for in the name of your son, Jesus. We ask these things. Amen. Now, if you're watching tonight uh, and you don't know Christ as your personal savior, specifically, we've addressed the Christian this evening. Uh, but once again, maybe you're there. You don't know Christ as your personal savior. You don't know heaven would be your eternal home. I invite you tonight to place your faith in Jesus Christ. He loves you. God loves you. He sent his son, Jesus, to die for you. Uh, his son did not stay dead. He rose again, and he's preparing a place in heaven for those who place their faith in him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But Pastor Frost, I'm a sinner. Good. God specializes in forgiving sin. And he wants to forgive your sin tonight. He wants you to, to give you a place in eternity with him. He wants to hold your spot. Would you take time this evening 
to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to ask for forgiveness of your sins, to ask uh, for him to take you to heaven and you die. And may tonight be the night that you begin a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I am so delighted that you could be here tonight. And for our church family, let me just share uh, just some special things that took place this evening. Um, while I'm, I'm talking about this, uh, I would love, once again, this is our Wednesday night prayer time as well. And uh, though we can't meet, we can still pray together. And so while I'm, while I'm finishing this evening, if you have a special prayer request, I'd like you to add it in the comment section below. Uh, if you're able to do that, if you're watching by uh, way of a social media platform, and uh, I would love to take time to pray for those. And I know many others would love to go through and take time uh, to pray for those needs as well. Uh, but while, while you're commenting and doing that, I wanted to share with you uh, just some blessings that came of this past uh, weekend. We had hundreds of phone calls uh, that went out. Um, I believe it was around 480 something phone calls uh, that went out. Um, some of those obviously uh, weren't answers, uh, were, were voicemails or, or wrong numbers, but um, there was quite a few that we were able to talk to and pray with. And uh, many of our church members uh, got calls. We called through our Sunday school rosters. We called um, through visitors at list, and we tried to get as many people as we could. And I know uh, I don't. There was no way I think that we got everybody. And I'm sure there was a few people that fell uh, between the cracks there. Um, and if that's you, we're praying for you too. Uh, but uh, we had just a wonderful time. There was numerous letters that were written and mailed out, and then there was a few great things that took place. Um, uh, Ricky Moon to start, brother Ricky Moon to start out uh, on Saturday. Uh, made a phone call right at the very beginning uh, to one of our church members and said, hey, is there anything I can pray with you about? And uh, that person said, I'd like you to pray with me about salvation. He's, and Brother Ricky said, great, I, I, you're right. So, so true. People need to get saved. And the man said, no, I want you to pray for me about my salvation. Brother Ricky had the opportunity on the phone to take time and uh, to uh, talk about um Christianity, talk about faith, to talk about uh, just making sure. And that man bowed his head, trusted Christ as his Savior over the phone, and that just kind of kicked it off. And how exciting uh, is that? Uh, I know Mary Cunningham had the opportunity to uh, witness to a, a bus mom, uh, one of the kids that rides uh, bus number four. She called to pray uh, with them. And while she had the mom on the phone, was able to give her the gospel, and she trusted Christ uh, as her savior. One of my favorite stories from the weekend um, was Miss Janine Williams. Uh, she made a phone call to one of, to somebody who had visited her church in the past year or so, and it was a wrong number. But a lady answered, and so Miss Janine took time to say, well, hey, I, why has it got you on the phone? Can, can I pray with you about something? And the lady gave her some prayer requests. In the middle of her prayer, the phone cut off. And a few minutes later, this lady actually called the church back to finish the conversation, to finish uh, the prayer time. And Miss Janine was able to share the gospel with her, and she gloriously trusted Christ as, as her personal Savior. How awesome is that? It was a wrong number. No, no, it was not a wrong number. The Holy Spirit had a divine appointment waiting right there for her. Isn't that wonderful? Man, I was tickled about that. We did have a few people call into the church. Um, and uh, one specific, 
uh, that I want you I want you to pray for. Um, at early in the morning, Sunday morning, just after 6 a.m., uh, Andrew Primo took a call from a lady who uh, her son had passed away uh, this past Thursday, and she was he was able to pray with her and, and encourage her. And I want you to pray for her tonight. Uh, that the Lord would would work in her life, that the Lord would comfort her during this uh, just very, very tough time. I'm so glad that this weekend we were available to pray for people. And, and I'm so excited about all the people that were praying for it, all the people that shared prayer requests that we could pray for. And uh, I believe that God was glorified. Jesus was lifted up uh, this past weekend through your involvement and through your effort. And uh, we praise the Lord for that. Many other wonderful things taking place. Uh, and we'll get time to share those uh, here in the next couple of weeks. Thank you again for watching tonight. Um, I pray uh, that the Lord would give you a great rest of your week, that you keep uh, he'd keep you healthy uh, and safe, and that he would bring us back together soon. I believe that time is coming. It's, it's right there. And uh, either we get back to church or the Lord comes now. That's, that's what I'm praying for. I would be happy uh, for either of those. Now that we've taken time to share prayer requests, um, I want you to pray tonight for these. Would you just, after we finish this, would you spend some time asking God uh, to, to bless our church, to bless the families of our church, to allow us to continue to influence our community, and for us to put into practice um, the things that we've talked about tonight, okay? Uh, there's going to be a couple questions uh, following this, and uh, Brother Tim Smith is going to put them uh, in the comments uh, for us, and uh, he'll post them. Um, and so if you, if you get those, uh, take some time as a family uh, to read over those, to walk through them, and I believe they'll be an extra special blessing to you. May we live the truth that the Holy Spirit and James uh, was teaching us this evening, and may God be glorified in it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Uh, I do pray for these requests that have been mentioned here this evening and the many other requests and unspoken requests that we as a church family have. Thank you again for the privilege we have to connect here in this midweek. Thank you for the privilege of prayer and the access we have to your throne when we need grace and mercy because of your son, Jesus Christ, and our relationship with him. Now, Father, I do pray if there's one watching that has not received your son, Jesus Christ, as their personal savior, that tonight, when this finishes, uh, that they would stop and they would call upon you. And God, I do pray also uh, that you'd be with each one of these requests, that we would pray for them, that we would lift uh, you up, that we would magnify you in our lives this week. And uh, once again, thank you for the opportunity to meet. Thank you for the work that you did in our heart and life this evening. And God, I do pray that we would catch this truth. Oh, we so need it. Uh, we need it. May in our church, respective persons, uh, may it not be named in our church. Uh, may our church be known for loving everybody, for showing grace to everybody, for showing mercy to everybody, for including everybody. Help us to have the same character that you have and your son Jesus Christ had and those with wisdom had and that the same faith that obedient Christians have. God, help this sin not to be named among us. And we'll thank you and praise you for it. Help us to live this truth. Father, please help us. And Father, we'll give you the glory. In the name of your son, Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. Church, love you and uh, sure appreciate you, I pray. 
God would give you a great rest of your week. Thank you for tuning uh, tuning in again this evening. God bless.